0: This, this year, in addition to being pastor here, I have a second job. Uh, I am coaching a soccer team. And for those of you who don't know, uh, soccer is my heart sport. I love soccer, and so I take it very seriously. I'm taking this job very seriously. Uh, but I'm also coaching my son Hudson's five-year-old team. So like 15 minutes into the first practice that we had together, I realized I needed to like ramp down my expectations a little bit. I realized I'd spent way too much time studying formations and practice planning and not enough time on like crowd control, basically. Um, so the first order of business, the one that we have spent about three weeks on, is figuring out which way we're trying to go on the soccer field, and we're, all, we're almost there. We've almost got that figured out. <laughs> But something is amazing has happened. As, we, as the year has progressed, we've worked together as a team. And I'd love to say that what's happening is we're gelling as a team and we're scoring lots of goals, but that is definitely not it. But as I look out on the field, what is amazing to me is that everyone is enjoying themselves. Everyone out there is having fun, running and laughing and smiling. And one kid is chasing the ball, and another kid is chasing the ball just on a different field there. <laughs> Um, one kid is ballet dancing out there and another kid's picking up grass and just making it rain just like you do, but they're all having fun. They're fully alive. They're clapping for each other. They're clapping for the other team and every once in a while they remember which way they're supposed to be going out there. Uh, in all their uniqueness and their diversity, they are being themselves together and they are loving it. And that is better than any practice plan that I could come up with, isn't it? Intuitively, we get that, and the beauty of that. There's a beauty in being unself consciously present in the moment with childlike wonder, fully there as we are with all that we are. But as we grow up, we get a little bit more conscious of ourselves, don't we? Maybe we move into spaces like middle school or the professional world or the church where it seems like there is one way to be in those places. You need to be the goal scorer, not the ballet dancer. And though we may try to live into that box and to fit into those spaces, we're not having fun in that. We're not enjoying ourselves because we have to put a lot of other pieces of ourselves into other boxes and compartmentalize and not be who we truly are, not fully. We feel like we, we can't always open those boxes and stay on the team. Our soul longs for a place of fullness, to be fully known, for contentment in our deepest selves. And if you've ever felt that way, especially if you have felt that way around faith, I am so incredibly sorry. Because the true story, the truth at the heart of all of this and the heart of you and of this world is that there is a God who loves you, who knits you and forms you and knows you and loves you, all of you, every box and every ballet move. And the part of the reason that this community exists is to be a place that lifts up together God's deep, entire love for us, for all of us, for all of all of us. That together we might begin to see the worth of who we truly are and of each other. To see ourselves as God sees us. God sees you, who you are, and loves you completely. He sees the infinite, sacred worth of you and says that you are incomparable. See, God doesn't want us to be more or different or score more goals. God wants us to be who we are, who God built us to be. And even more stories tell us in our experience and our life tells us is that God has profound purpose for who we are, that God wants us to use who we are and all that we are For the good of each other and the beauty and creativity in this world, that God made you good for good. And realizing that purpose begins to open up for us deep, deep soul contentment, which is so incredibly encouraging. But it leads us to ask, okay, so what am I made for? What good things am I made for? What do I have to be content in. How do I find that? Not the compartmentalization, but the deep contentment in who I am. Because looking at my life and all of the various boxes that I fill, these swirling life compartments of just a busy day, of, of, of parenting and politics, of friendship and fortnight and ups and downs and history and mystery and all the things that go into us, it looks more like stranger things than good things sometimes in my life. And so how does all of that come together in this profound purpose that leads to contentment? So to answer that question, I want to point us to a place, uh, to one of, I think, one of the most encouraging passages in the writings that are collected in our scripture library. And it's one that that tells us that it is going to give us the secret of contentment, which sounds like a lot to, like, just ask. Um, But it is also, before we get there, it is also one of the most unfortunately quoted passages in that scripture library. Because here's how the passage ends, and here's the place where we most often encounter it. It's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is a beautiful verse, and I just put an exclamation point at the end because that's what that sounds like to me. Just reading it gets me pumped up. This is the verse that you write on your football eye black when you're headed out there. This is the Tim Tebow verse, right? I can do all things through Christ except throw a spiral, apparently. Obviously, this verse isn't about athletic achievement. It is about something much deeper and transformative. Uh, So set aside what you think we know about this. This is about contentment in this crazy world with all that we are. Contentment in the God who gives us strength and invites us to use who we are and how we are knit to make the world a better place in every season and circumstance. But to catch back that, we've got to step back a little bit into the context behind this, a little bit of background. So this passage was written by a guy named Paul to to friends in a faith community that he helped start in a town called Philippi. And Paul is writing this letter to them from jail. He'd been jailed by the state in another city, probably Ephesus, And some of the Philippians have visited him, and they brought him a wonderful gift and some food, and Paul is writing this letter to them out of gratitude, both as a way to continue teaching them about the way of Jesus, but most of all, just to say thank you to them. But in the section that we come across here, this imprisoned faith leader is writing to them, and essentially he's saying, thank you so much for the gift. It means so much, but please don't worry about me. I'm okay. I'm content where I am. And he makes this incredible claim in verses 11 and 12 before we get to 13. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I've learned the secret of being content, he says, which is huge. That's what our soul longs for. And so what is it? Is it essential oils? Is that the secret? It is, isn't it, right? First, that word contentment, what Paul is driving at here, is this really interesting word, because it's a word borrowed from the Greco-Roman culture around him, of the philosophy of the day. And in that context, this word that we translate contentment is autarches, which means self-sufficiency, that you have all you need in yourself. And it was one of the highest ideals of the Greek way, to have all that you need in every circumstance within yourself. And it's kind of the goal of the American way, too, this rugged individualism. Like Jesus is Ron Swanson or something. Um, Paul says this. Paul says this. (laughs) This is beautiful, isn't it? It's amazing when you type something into Google that someone has already thought of this. too. So Paul says, I've found the secret of this powerful self-sufficiency. All right, Jimmy, we probably better pull that down. No one's going to hear another word. I've found the power of this powerful self-sufficiency in any circumstance, situation, whether living in plenty or in one. So here's the secret that Paul finds. Here's that I black verse. And in Greek, I gave kind of a literal translation. In Greek, it's panta iskouo into Indumuti me, which we all know what means. Um, Here's like my very literal translation of this passage I have the power to face all of these things in union with the one who continually empowers me. Paul is saying, I have self-sufficiency in all that I am and everything that I face, in all of the parts of me, in the various things and stories that make me who I am. I have self-sufficiency because there is one who loves me and empowers all of that, whose grace is all-sufficient, who's always at work in me and through me, no matter what, who loves me and invites me to love and whose love wins. And in every season, in every circumstance, in every crazy compartment of my life and story, It is the intersection of myself intersecting that all-sufficient love and purpose of God that brings me wholeness and contentment. And it's it's not a superhero pump-up talk that Paul is laying out here. It was written by a dude in jail, all right? If, If Jesus was Ron Swanson, then he'd just bust the walls down and get out of that place. But Paul instead used that circumstance in which he found himself and the place where he was, and the relationships that he had, to write this letter to encourage the people around him. And and so when we're reading back through 2,000 years of history, we find encouragement here. He found contentment and self-sufficiency in every circumstance because he tried, even in all of his humanness, to let every circumstance and story and every characteristic of his life, to understand that all of that was loved and empowered by God. And he sought to use it for this greater mission, to love himself and his neighbor, and the mission of love and justice and reconciliation and right relationship with God and neighbor and ourselves for the building of the beloved community. And so I think the root of finding commitment, uh, contentment in this life comes from asking ourselves this question and being open to the answer. Say to that God who's at work in our world and in us, how can you use me? like all of me, my job and my neighborhood, my talents, my skills, my time at school, my identity, the way I was made, my questions and doubts, my story and my history, whatever, all of me, how can it be used for good? Because you tell me that that it is. How can you empower me in all things to be a part of your mission of love, of reconciliation, of universal, holistic flourishing for all people? in all things, that we are letting all of that be a part of this mission brings us deep contentment because it connects our soul and our story and our whole self with the all-sufficient purpose and love of God. That doesn't mean that every circumstance is good or, or something that we just have to power through, but in all circumstances, there is still this empowerment of God's love that is with us, not asking us to be false, but being truly with us every step of the way hurting with us and wrestling with us and seeking with us, but always wrapping us in love and in strength and working to empower us that we might find rest, that we might find the ability to keep going, that we might hurt but hope still in the midst of difficult circumstances to heal and maybe even someday to grow a little bit in the power in a way that is greater than our own. The empowerment of Christ, I think, is perhaps most present with us in those difficult circumstances. That Jesus, who was with the hurting and wept with the weeping, who suffered himself so that suffering would not have the final word in this life, that strength is with you, empowering you, intersecting yourself in those times. It is love always, no matter what. And realizing that is the beginning of finding that self-sufficiency of God's all-sufficient love contentment. So, for some of us, our lack of contentment is because we've been told or we've been feeling that there's parts of us who are invited into this story, and there's parts that aren't. That what's invited into, like, the faith story is the Sunday best parts of us, Um, the parts of us that when we stump our toe… What comes out is fiddlesticks and not um, something else that starts with F, right? It's those parts of us, the pretty parts, the parts of our brain too that can say yes to a list of theological propositions about God and Jesus and think a certain way and vote a certain way, love a certain way and be a certain way. And the rest of us, sometimes we feel like we need to set aside and bring just out the shiny parts on Sunday. But all of us, all of those things are what make us who we are And you are the one that God loves. And the rest of you, all of you, all of those pieces and stories are the things that God sees and knows and loves. God's love is for all of you and all of all of you. Simply, wholly, inseparably. And so Paul writes this elsewhere. He writes about all the things that we feel like about our stories and our circumstances that might separate us from the love of God. And he says, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing, all of you, is welcome and is a part of this story. Your doubts and your questions are a part, your orientation and affiliation, your story and your history, all of it. And so in everything, you are loved by God with unqualified, all-embracing, box-opening, arms-open love. And that's the love that empowers you in every circumstance and season that you cannot be separated from. And the secret of contentment is realizing that deep, true love for you and inviting its empowerment to be a part of every part of you in a way that brings together all of those parts inseparably. Because that is who you are. And God loves you. Not pretend you, not Sunday best you, not fiddlesticks you, but... The other things that we might say in those circumstances, you. So let God in. You don't have to be afraid in every part compartment because God loves you. And where we find contentment is in who God built us to be, intersecting with that all-sufficient love and the depth of our spirit and the truth of who we are. We find that by being who we are. And so live it all in the empowering Of Christ in this bigger mission. And say, God, here's the compartment of my politics right now. How are you empowering that part of me to be for the good of others? Here are my doubts and questions. How are you working and drawing me deeper right now? God, here are my struggles as a person and a partner and a parent that make me feel less sometimes. Work in them and and in some way help use them for others who are in the midst of their struggles too. God, here's my identity and my story and my history. I felt that it disqualifies me, but when I open it to you, I see that you love me with unqualified love. And so show me a glimpse of that all-sufficiency within myself so that I can find your powerful contentment in who I am. And help others find that as well. Because you are covered in love completely, inseparably, every part of you. This world needs you all of you, and all of all of you, empowered by Christ. And learning that is the secret of contentment, I think. The foundation of that sufficiency in yourself is offering yourself to the all-sufficient love of God. If there's anyone that I think of when I think of of someone who's who's doing that and helping teach me about what that looks like in real life, um, and been a guide for me in that, it is our Friend Paige Dixon, who's with us here today, and Paige uh, has has graciously volunteered to share a little bit of her story with us today. And so let's uh, let's invite Paige up here. Give Paige a hand. You do set the furniture out. Here you go, Paige. Sweet. Thank you so much for being here with us, Paige. So, uh, Paige is a busy person, um, as we'll find out in a little bit, and has a little bit going on in her life. And so, it's great that you've, uh, that you've offered your time to us today. And so, tell us a little bit about how you found this crazy place. Kind uh, of talk about where you were and, and how you found us. Um,
1: okay, so I, uh, well, do you want me to, where do you want me to start? Um, how far back do you want me to go? Start! <laughs>
0: Once I was a little kid. Um, Start at, so here's kind of the wild thing about this particular story. Um, I was responsible for Paige not coming to open for like months. Yeah. Truly, because we met at the Women's March in 2018, I think. Yeah, And I handed Paige a flyer about open that just happened to be a flyer from when we launched the year before. And so it said, beginning April 23rd. Yeah. And so Paige thought, in that January, that she had to wait until April 23rd yeah. to yeah. come. And so tell start in January. Okay. And tell us what right. I'm so sorry. We would have known dates no. longer. I apologize. Yes. <laughs> and I, I
1: was a little confused because the 23rd was like on a Monday that year, too. So <laughs> what kind like, of place is this? Not really sure. Okay. Um, but I had um, gone to the women's march and this was definitely post-2016 and uh, just kind of out of sorts and trying to figure out how it could be of service to other people in my community and other people in the country and not really feeling like I was um, at home at my current church. I I always kind of felt like um, I just didn't belong in mainstream Christianity because of just everyone seemed so conservative and I was not. Um, And so I kind of just stayed in those spaces because I felt like I was broken or there was something wrong with me um, and so I guess I was kind of waiting on God to to fix what was wrong with me and why I kind of wasn 't seeing things the way everyone else was seeing things. Um, I knew that i, I wasn 't very quiet, um, I tended to ask a lot of questions, and you know when things were going wrong, I was like, we need to do something um, And I was probably I wasn't surrounded by a lot of people who kind of thought that way, and so I thought maybe I need to learn to be quieter, to let to ask less questions and sit down a little bit more. Um, That just never happened for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's right. Thank thank goodness. Yeah, and so I found myself getting involved in the community and in activism, and I'd gone to a women's march, and uh, I made a little sign that said God's love is inclusive with all the little LGBTQ flags on it and hearts. And I saw that there was a church tabling at the event, which was so shocking to me. Um, And I think I knew then, I was like, these are my people. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there was Jonathan and he gave me this flyer and I'm a mom of two. And so at the time I was really at my, my church then and I was trying to hold on for my children. Um, because I I knew that they needed a space, um, and I I wanted to make sure that they had a space. And so what I had done was basically at at my church, I had buried myself in the children's ministry uh, because I just didn't want to go to service and and be faced with some ugly truths about the people that were in the room. And I realized that I didn't know the people in the room, and I didn't really know the person that was leading me, and that was causing me a lot of hardship. And so I held on to Jonathan's flyer that he gave me and I was like we're going to make it. We're going to make it to April. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried so hard to make it to April and and then something just kind of happened one Sunday morning and I was getting ready for church and I broke and I could not make it to April and I just started to cry. And I messaged uh, the director over the children's ministry, and I was like, I can't come anymore. And I kind of got my sons, and I said, so we're not going to go to our church anymore. Um, And there was probably like a month until April. Um, (laughs) But I told Jonathan, like, I needed that month because I went through the process of feeling and hurting and being angry and feeling broken because it was like a breakup. Uh, you know, and my friends were concerned because every Sunday my truck would be gone and we would be at church and my truck was in my driveway every Sunday and they are like, are you okay? Like, please promise us you'll go back to church because I was the crazy church lady. Um, <laughs> and they're like, "If well, she's not going to church, you know, something is really wrong. So, uh, I saw, I was, I was Googling to, to make sure like, why is this church opening on Monday? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a really good question. And yeah.
1: I, I saw a live stream, and I was like, "Are they open now? Like, like is this happening now?" Um, and so I don't know. I think I came the Sunday before the one-year anniversary because after I looked online, I was like, "I think they're open." Yeah, open is open. Yeah, it so. <laughs>
0: Um, I, I know I've said this a number of times. I'm so sorry. No, it's I'm fine. So <laughs> <sorry>. It's fine. <laughs> so what what was it like from coming to that first side, being a part of this place and being a part of this community?
1: Um, I came to, it was a Bible study, and I couldn't really believe it was real uh, because everyone in there, um, we were talking about, one, real world issues, and uh, the responses were not... Uh, conservative or they they were just people who kind of thought like I thought and that was new for me and I was just kind of like wait I'm normal Um, (laughs) there are other people like me Um, so that's kind of what it was like and I think I had mentioned to Don because I think Don came a couple weeks later we were like are these people (laughs) <laughs> this is this is a real place.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! And so, uh, so that part of you, kind of where you were and how you're experiencing the wor- world, and and this heart that you had for the real things happening in the world, uh, this this church sphere that you didn't ever think that that could be a part of, yeah. and then you told told me this story about this like childhood experience too of your childhood upbringing in church that just sort of all came together yeah. in in this place.
1: Oh, yeah, because I um, I started, uh, I was, a, when I was a child, I was in the AME church. And, of course, my pastor always wore a robe, and there was, like, uh, this tradition, uh, traditions we always did. And I remember coming to church one day, and I saw Jonathan in a robe, which is, I think, that might have been the only time. Mm-hmm. And he was coming to the door to meet us, and it was kind of like life came full circle for me. Um, Around 26 is when I kind of really committed to seek God. Like all my life I had gone to church and would have registered myself as a Christian, um, but couldn't have really told you anything past that other than every Sunday I was in church. Um, And I call it inherited faith. And I think a lot of people kind of walk in that where it's what my mama did, it's what my dad did, it's what my grandmother did, um, but it's not mine. Um, and I don't think that that faith sustains you because it doesn't belong to you. So around 26 is when I really uh, struck out and started to seek God and find out who he was.
0: So what was it when those pieces of you, of yourself and your soul, like when all of that found wholeness in here? What difference did that make in your life?
1: <laughs> it was, I felt like for, for a long time, I was me, but, but there was a separate part of me that existed in church and I didn't know that it made me better or that it uh, sustained who I was or that it added to me. Um, I also had this feeling like I couldn't be all of me there Mm -hmm. and I couldn't uh, believe all the things that I believed in that space. So finding open, it allows me, I don't know if this makes sense, to be all of me and I don't ever feel like on Sunday I need to put pieces of me away or uh, the space that I'm in isn't contributing to who I'm purposed to be. And also I've found in open, like when I started attending open, I felt like I had did something incredibly healthy and good for me and for the people in my life that I loved because I was saying to them, I don't want to be a part of any space that you can't be a part of as well. Mm
0: -hmm. That's awesome. Awesome. So you are... Um, uh, moving into a new phase of pageness yeah. as you go. Paige uh, just launched a campaign for um, uh, running for office in Louisville, Carrollton. Yeah. And so tell me, tell me what, what district you're running in.
1: I'm in uh, House District 65 for Texas State Representative.
0: Yeah, and so if any of you live in Louisville, Carrollton area, you may see Paige yeah, around right. knocking on your doors yeah, and, yeah. and certainly Spending knocking on boat, the doors yes. here in Tenton for your friends. What is it about this place that is helping you live outside the walls as an empowered person in the love of God?
1: Uh, well, I was telling you uh, Tuesday over tacos. Uh, I felt like... <laughs> if,
0: you, uh, if you come willing to grab a microphone, you get tacos. Yeah, you do. You service. get tacos. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> I owe you. I owe you uh, <laughs> uh,
1: I, I kind of was feeling like uh, every time I would go to church as well, it would kind of be like a bunch of Christians in a room trying to resuscitate each other from the week. <laughs> like, uh, I'm so sorry you had to be nice to that person at work, and I know that was hard for you. And it would be... Uh, kind of this parade of motivational speeches, and we would kind of rally each other up to go back into the world and just go through life. Uh, But we weren't doing anything about the people in the world who were hurting and really needed to receive the gospel of Christ. And that was concerning and and tiring for me because I was thinking there's so much more that we're supposed to be doing here. Uh, Like if the apostles just never got past themselves, and they never... Uh, fulfilled their purpose because every week they needed to be revived uh, and I just felt like a church should exist outside of its walls and that wasn't happening there was so much more uh, that we should have been doing as followers of Christ that we weren't doing uh, there were so many things that were happening in, in our communities and in the world that we were never addressing because Sunday was all about us and how, you know, we wanted 12-step programs about our singleness and how we wanted to, uh, you know, be inspired to get through what we were going through. And we never made it past us to get to the people of God.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and you said, you said it this way, and this just inspired me. You said this place is bigger than our walls. Yeah. Um, because every single person here is in some ways a, an activist, a minister of reconciliation. Mm-hmm in the world and in the spaces we go and so uh, I I just love that image that when we gather we're bigger Mm. than the walls of this place that's beautiful and so um what would you say to the community here uh, in gratitude and in challenge to us to continue growing in that
1: um I would say keep it up like just keep it up i love how when i come to church we address real world issues and we're an active church that can be found in the community so many other activists that i know know this church they're like i know your church i saw them there they were giving out water they were uh being helpful and so i would just say keep that up like there are people outside this walls of these walls that need us to be uh present and need us to show them god's love and they're seeing that in this church um, and it's because we don't stay in this building and, and just on Sunday. Like, we go out into the community, um, and we're open in Denton mm-hmm. and then Louisville. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And Carrollton, and Carrollton and Flower Mound, yes. Sanger, yeah, yeah. too. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Any last words that uh, uh, you want to say before we just No, one? no. I think,
1: mm-hmm. I think you had asked me a question about how would I um, – How would I thank Open? Mm -hmm. Was it like that? And I said, I don't think that Open is a church of words. It's more a church of action. Um, And the biggest or the best thanks to Open would be to continue to be loving and kind and to bring God's love into uh, the world. And so that's how I would thank you guys.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right. (laughs) That was wonderful. Awesome. She's cool, isn't she? Yeah, and so uh, so just as Paige said, uh, this is a place and really the secret that lies at the contentment of all of It's it not about words. The secret is not in that. It's found in this action. In living as we are, with all that we are, in action of love for God and for neighbor and for ourselves, this is what the empowerment of God brings us. That we can do all things with all that we are in the empowerment and in the union with the God that is continually infusing us and empowering us with strength. And so let it work in you. Let it work through you and around you and for you and with you and through your community and your neighbor and your stranger because you can do all things with all you are in the powerful love of God. So let's get going. Let's keep going. Let's be people of action and people of love in the ways that God has built us in the places that we move, in the spaces that we serve. Let's be open to God, to each other, and to ourselves. Let's pray. Gracious, loving God, thank you for this story, this story of your complete love, your love for all of us, for all of all of us, and the way that you invite us, to offer our story and our identity, our history, to be a part of this work, God, of bringing it together in reconciliation, in love, in justice, and in peace. God, thank you for that. And thank you for the powerful wholeness that you awaken in us through your love that help us to find our sufficiency in your all-sufficient love for all of us. We pray this in your name. Amen.